Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, the only show that takes a look at the obstacles and opportunities open to small to mid-sized enterprises to manufacture here in America. Brought to you by All Metals and Forge Group, with your hosts, Tim Grady and Lou Weiss. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio on, uh, on a lovely uh, July day around the country and around the world. We have a really exciting show for you today because we have three guests on our show today. We have ML Peck, who's Senior Vice President with ISM on the show. We have Linda Regano, who's Executive Director of Media Relations at ThomasNet. That's part of the Thomas Industrial Network. And we have Kevin Wolf, who is with Powell Manufacturing. It's spelled P-O-W-I-L-L, Powell Manufacturing and Engineering in Phoenix, Arizona. We're going to be talking with uh, Linda and ML Peck uh, initially, and then we're going to switch over to uh, Kevin. He's actually, you know, boots on the ground manufacturer to be able to talk to his issues in Phoenix. But first, Lou, why don't you give us a quick postscript from last week's show? Well, being that we have uh, such a full program today, I'm going to make this uh, real quick because I don't want to take time away from our uh, guests. Uh, last week, we were uh, hashing and rehashing, along with the rest of the media, about the minus 2.9 uh, GDP numbers, uh, which was, of course, the third, uh, the third change uh, that the government decided to put out about the first quarter. So who knows what the real number is? Is it up one, down one, down 2.9? We're not real sure. Uh, it seems as, seems as though that everybody's pretty much in agreement that it was uh, weather-related. And um, so let's move on and have a, a, a great second quarter. And uh, we are already, uh, at least in uh, our company, All Metals and Forge Group, uh, we are off to a terrific start. And the people that I'm listening to, uh, customers, uh, vendors, uh, advisors, and so on, uh, are telling me that it's looking pretty significant, that there's a, there's an upswing here. and. Um, they are talking about the fact that there is uh, uh, the likelihood of a one to two to two and a half year uh, run perhaps in front of us. So not to make it overly rosy, and I don't want to be in contradiction to the rest of the media, uh, so I'll just leave it at that. Uh, Tim? Thanks, Lou. I'd like to go to you first, ML, and have you give our listeners kind of the background on the 30 under 30 program and then uh, I don't know you can either answer the question or throw it to Linda on how the program's doing but ML could you give us kind of the history of 30 under 30? Sure so uh, Thomas Net and ISM have a history of working together and uh, during a conversation with ISM CEO Tom Derry and Thomas Net's president uh, we were talking about the um, issues with engaging millennials and highlighting supply chain and procurement as a great profession for the millennial generation. And we thought, you know, our two organizations would be perfect to get together to start some sort of program to raise awareness and bring visibility to the supply chain profession for this particular age group. And we came up with the 30 Under 30 program. Okay. Exactly, yeah. And, and Linda, what's the status of 30 under 30? What's, what's it doing out there in the field? Well, we're, we're really happy with it. You know, this is our first time out. And so we were, you know, ML and I and the team, you know, we've got a, a wonderful team that's working on this. 
and it's you know it's it's been exciting. We we did not know going into this what would happen, and we're already over 100 nominations. So they're coming in, and what's nice too is that they're coming in from around the country. Um, so it's a relatively even distribution around the U.S. and Canada, and we're also seeing an equal number of men and women. And um, Tim, we're seeing also a wide range of companies, which is cool. We're seeing you know everybody you know from your standard industrial Battelles and Parker Hannafins to National Foot Locker and Buffalo Wild Wings. You know, um, so you know folks who are in procurement at these groups. So it's it's really it, you know it's gratifying to see the uh, the feedback. You know, it's fun to hear you say that because I know that in our mindset we sometimes think of manufacturing as uh, metal. And when you talk about Buffalo Wild Wings, obviously that they're procurement folks are not procuring metals. <laughs> so I, right, I found food, food and beverage is important part is an important part of manufacturing. Especially really if you is. have a bad day. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> let me just introduce uh, uh, or Lou have you introduce Kevin for us. I want to sure. bring Kevin into the conversation earlier because I think there's some things that both. ISM and Thomas may be able to help Kevin with. So with that, Lou, if you'd introduce Kevin for us. Uh, Kevin, uh, you're there, I hope. I am. Great. Uh, one, I want to apologize for the misspelling of your c corporate name. It is P-O-W-I-L-L, -L, Manufacturing and Engineering in Phoenix, Arizona. It must be pretty warm down there today. Well, we're, we run just over 100 degrees right now. Oh. Comfy. It's a dry heat. <laughs> dry heat. Yes, dry. Uh, some marketing company came up with that term down in Arizona. Um, right. Uh, uh, POW manu uh, uh, Palo uh, Manufacturing, uh, from my understanding, and I'm going to turn this over to Kevin in just a moment, is a aerospace precision machining shop. He's got 85 employees, third generation. They've been around for decades, and uh, they have some unique. Um, employment issues being that they're doing precision machining in aerospace they're using a lot of the exotic materials the high temperature alloy and corrosion resistant materials um, for aerospace and of course they're harder to machine and they are uh, more difficult uh, more difficult to get skilled uh, machinists to be able to do that kind of work um, Kevin why don't you uh, give us a quick critique on what you told me a couple of weeks ago regarding your company issues and kind we'll kind of combine your story with uh, ISM and uh, uh, Thomas Net and uh, see where the conversation takes us. Okay. Well, obviously over the past 20, 20 plus years, it's been harder and harder to get uh, good employees or machinists, anyone in the machining field. Uh, for a lot of reasons, obviously 9-11, the budget, uh, the economy dropped, and then budget cuts within schools and vocational schools and things like that has presented a challenge for us to find experienced people to be able to do the machining trade anymore. So we've gone to using uh, employment agencies and things like that with really no avail uh, across the country. And just recently, well, I'll say a couple of years ago, we have a uh, Motorcycle Mechanics Institute school very close to us, and they have some basic skills. So what we've done is starting, uh, as you will, maybe an internship 
taking the graduates from that school who have very basic skills and bringing them over here and training them or actually paying them to go to school at this point. So it, it's just very, very challenging um, because our customers demand perfect parts on time and continually want you know, uh, cuts in the prices, which we fight both ways on that. So that's kind of where we sit today with things. Uh, Linda, this is uh, Lou. Uh, how does uh, ThomasNet and uh, ISM uh, factor in uh, perhaps helping in this area? I know that the 30 under 30 uh, millennials are, are more towards the uh, uh, purchasing and supply chain. But I, I think there's an overlap of uh, interests and concerns, and I think we're really talking about the same topic, from but from a slightly different venue. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And Kevin, by the way, um, I mean, kudos to you and your company for you know taking it on and and uh, partnering with your local school and 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 bringing these students in. What you're doing is is what we should be doing around the country. So you're really you know one of the poster children for you know how to do it right and. You know, your story is not, you know, it's, it's you know, I hate to, it's, it's actually a very popular story, unfortunately. Um, we have some research, it's called Industry Market Barometer, and we look at manufacturers, and un unrelated to the ISM research, this looks at um, what are the, the hiring challenges that people have. And it's, you know, for us, we've been reporting on this for the past couple of years, that it's an awareness issue, you know, and it, it stems back to the issues of, you know, we need to really get manufacturing back on the radar as a cool place to be. You know, and one of my colleagues, Paul Jabino, always says, you know, we need to inject the cool factor back into manufacturing, uh, manufacturing, and, and that's so true. But but until then, you know, until it's really taken off, and until we start to see more millennials, you know, and, and people coming out of school, but it's also the millennials. You know, it's you know, we, everybody's been talking about partnering with high schools and and um, and community colleges and trade schools. But the problem that we're seeing out there is that we've got a baby boomer audience, right? Primarily, manufacturing is dominated by baby boomers, about 85%, according to our study. And we're seeing these folks are going to be retiring over the next 10, 15 years. And so we need to have that pipeline full of millennials now who are going to be, you know, whether it's the shop floor or whether or not it's in management, but they need to be up and running. So, you know, Kevin, you're doing what, what everybody should be doing. Now, Linda, does Thomas have a jobs board that might help Kevin out? We, we do. Um, you know, I, I, I wasn't going to do a shameless plug, to, plug to him, but thank you. Um, we do, thomasnet.com. We have a, um, a fabulous job board, and it's, you know, it's, it's broken out. It's only manufacturing jobs and procurement jobs, so it's really, you know, in engineering. So it's, it's, a, it's a very targeted board. And, Kevin, um, talk to me after. We'll arrange to get you some free postings so that we can uh, get you up there. But, I mean, we hear some really wonderful stories, too. You know, uh, among, you know, or amidst the, the, the doom and gloom, we had a, a, a fabulous story. I, I, I can't say the name yet publicly, but I, I will soon. Um, an engineering company in, in Manhattan was having great difficulty in hiring AutoCAD operators. And they ran an ad with us, and they got so many qualified respondents that they actually ended up hiring two, which, I mean, we looked at that and said, wow, you know, if we could only get more of that going, you know, around the country. Um, but Kevin, you bring up a lot of the issues that I think are really important for us to, um, 
you know, keep in the forefront because it's the, you know, it's the root of this clause that we need to have people look at manufacturing as a viable and exciting place to be. I mean, don't you think so, Kevin? I, I do. Um, it's been a great career for me. Um, you know, we don't have a big turnover here. Our average employee is seven to nine years, and we have them 30 and 40 years. So you're wow. retiring. Um, the questions or the problems that come up is as machining goes on, adaptive machining is coming into play. And, you know, the computers, people have gone and, and said, well, because the aerospace industry has typically over the past 20 or 30 years had every seven to nine years has had kind of a drop for whatever reason. And they've gone and said, well, computers have come in. I can have a continuing career where I don't have to worry about being laid off or, you know, without a job. So they moved over to the computer side of things. And you couple that with the economy drop and then the fact that they deleted the VICA programs and, and things that used to happen in shop classes and schools and stuff like that. And it just puts you at a, a loss. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're, you're you're absolutely right. We we hear that too. I mean, we hear that all the time that you know you you just don't see those um you know those kinds of classes anymore. But there's a reason. I mean, when you look at the root of it, you know, it's kind of like that's that's the, you know, that's the, you know, that the effect of it. Um, but the the real root comes from, you know, us as an industry. We need to take a step up and encourage parents. You know, it, you know that every kid may not necessarily be college material. There might be a very viable and exciting place in a trade or vocational school, and there are there are still schools around. We need to also partner with the community, the educational community, and say if if they're seeing the surge from parents saying yes, we'd like to see more shop classes, or we'd like to see this, you, you can guarantee that you will start to see them, and they'll be getting funding for it. Um, but it starts at home. I mean, I'm a firm believer in that. I mean, what do you think, Kevin? I I do. I I think that's a a big thing. I mean, with this school, the the guys motorcycle school pay on average twenty or thirty thousand dollars to go to the school and come out and they're at best going to be you know at a minimum wage job um, and trying to pay back uh, a tuition which is hard to live as it is today it, we felt that with some basic skills we could you know I mean thank God for our owners who have adopted this program and we've hired um, over the past few years probably 20 of the people and the percentage that make it it's low I mean at one point we hired 10 and we had two that made it and one of them mm. today is a supervisor in the area so I mean you know not a, not what you'd like to see but better than a zero result so, yeah you know. oh that's wonderful uh, and uh, ML, I just have a quick question for you. Uh, didn't, if I recall correctly, ISM just come out with a salary survey? And I know I realize that's in purchasing and uh, and supply chain, but I think uh, engineering is, is probably right up there. In purchasing and supply chain, what was the average salary across the country? Um, well, the average salary for people with one to four years of experience, so basically the millennial group, um, was just over $60,000 per year. So it's a really good salary. It's a great job for um, procurement and supply chain. And, and I, I, 
I would agree with a lot of Kevin's um, comments as well. And part of the issue is raising visibility as manufacturing, procurement, and supply chain being viable, exciting career opportunities where the millennials um, can succeed as well as uh, share some of their key motivators, which is all around social change and social responsibility. And right. Kevin, yeah. is, is your, uh, and not to say this is what a specific job is saying, but is your experience that the engineering field is in the fifty sixty thousand dollars range on an annual salary basis? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can verify that it is. There's a study that came out that showed it. And, and it's a great place for uh, for us probably to take a commercial break here. Um, so why don't we flip out to a commercial here for about 60 or 90 seconds, and we'll come back and be speaking with uh, ML Peck of ISM, Linda Regano of ThomasNet, and Kevin Wolf of Powell Manufacturing in Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> Use the Premier Rewards Gold Card from American Express. The rewards points can keep on multiplying. Buy three with triple points on airfare. Buy two with double points on gas and groceries. And a single point for pretty much every other dollar you spend on the card. Then, start choosing from over a million rewards to redeem all those points. Apply today and the annual fee for the first year is on us. Call 1-800-AXP-GOLD or visit AXPGOLD.COM. The annual fee for the card is $175. See terms, conditions, and restrictions at AXPGOLD.COM. SNH Rubber is a manufacturing company in Fullerton, California. We specialize in custom molded, extruded, and stamped rubber parts. If your next job requires a rubber part, we would appreciate the opportunity to quote on it. We serve aerospace, automotive, and many other industries. We work with many types of rubber, including silicone, EPDM, neoprene, buninitrile, and Viton. Our quality system is ISO and AS9100 approved. Over our 47 years in business, the SNH brand has become known for superior quality, quick turnaround, and competitive pricing. Please check out our website at www.shrubber.com or call 714-525-0277. Let SNH be your sealing solution. And while you're at it, let's give a shout out to All Metals and Forge Group, your best source for open die forgings, and our sponsor for this show. They do seamless rolled rings in alloy, carbon, stainless, and tool steels, nickel, aluminum, titanium, and copper. You name it, they can do it. Just visit their website to learn more, steelforge.com. That's steelforge.com. All right, back to our full house here. We're coming back to, I think, uh, Lou Weiss here. Is that correct, Lou? Oh, Lou's got his mic off there, though. Uh, yes, uh, thank you. Uh, I wanted to ask uh, ML a, a question or two uh, regarding the uh, 30 under 30. And, uh, you know, what makes a rising star within, uh, within your uh, program that you've just initiated? And I think I heard that you've now had over 100 candidates to submit for the drawing uh, or selection at the end of this month. So tell us a little bit about your rising stars. So a rising star is someone who's making a contribution to their organization and to the supply chain profession. It's someone who demonstrates leadership, initiative, and innovativeness. Uh, nominations of the rising, rising star can be made by colleagues, friends, family, um, and even the nominees themselves. 
gives an opportunity for the seller to be a shining example of just how exciting and rewarding a career in supply chain and procurement can be. Um, are which you goes back to the topic we're talking about. Are you still accepting uh, candidate nominations? Absolutely. We're accepting nominations through July 31st. And in order to nominate somebody, it's, it's very simple. It's a two-question form. It's at thomasnet.com slash 30 under 30. You want to repeat that again for us that are harder of hearing? <laughs> <laughs> Just at thomasnet.com slash 30 under 30. Terrific. I hope, I hope you get a couple of uh, uh, new entrants into uh, your program. Uh, Linda, uh, tell us where you think uh, your 30 under 30 program is going in the future. What are you going to do after July July uh, 30, 31st? Well, after July after July 31st, we're going to hole up and, uh, you know, we have a, an, an independent committee that's going to be reviewing all the nominations. But hopefully this will be an annual program. Um, you know, ISM has been a huge supporter of this, and we're, we're both behind the issue, and, you know, we both feel very passionate about it. It's This is the beginning. And the best way that you can get people excited about a job, I believe, and, and ML and I have had um, numerous conversations about this, is putting up role models and putting role models out there. So people that they can identify with, that they want to be like, that they can see as you know doing really cool things. Um, so we talked about injecting that cool factor. It's, 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 we also need it for supply chain as well. And, and Mel, do you want to talk a little bit, we were just talking the other day about this, the, um, just how beautifully um, procurement or supply chain dovetails with the millennials. You want to just maybe elaborate a little bit? Sure, please. Sure. Yeah, I mean, the key points are that millennials really want to be a key part of a company's strategy and growth. They also want the global assignments and the opportunity to interact with people all over the world. I mean, this group's been doing that since they were kids playing video games online. Um, and this bill actually aligns very much with millennials' core values. Millennials want to affect social change. And procurement, supply chain, and manufacturing provide the greatest opportunities to do so, whether it's sustainability, environmental, ethics, fair labor practices, et cetera. Uh, these groups often have the most influence over decisions that affect those areas. Uh, so it's very different from what procurement was 20 to 30 years ago. And the millennials bring a whole new, unique skill set that we could leverage if we can get them to recognize this as a, as a great career. And to Linda's point, um, with this 30 under 30, we're trying to give them role models that they can relate to and learn from. Yeah, and by the way, this goes for manufacturing too. I mean, mm -hmm. Kevin, this is, you know, that's what we need to do as well. I mean, it, it might be a little bit more complicated, you know, when it comes to, you know, manufacturing and vocational trades. But there, there is a 30 under 30 for engineers, I believe, for mechanical engineers. And I, I think it's the same thing. It's, you know, it's, it's having role models. Uh, has anyone in the group between ISM and uh, ThomasNet uh, come up with the thought of uh, further co-partnering with, for example, the Michigan, uh, Michigan uh, State University? Uh, we had uh, one of the... Um, a PhD professor for business management uh, on the show. We met him at the ISM conference in Vegas. And a very interesting gentleman, and this has been his whole life. And uh, a dynamic uh, dynamic uh, group of people they have over there at uh, Michigan State. And there are many other universities that are looking to develop these kinds of programs. 
Uh, has anyone thought about it being that you're on the uh, manufacturing side and they're on the uh, academic side, where, you, where it could actually be combined in joint efforts and really give it a major lift of uh, awareness and exposure to the marketplace? Well, I, go ahead. Sorry. ISM has a history of working with colleges and universities. Um, from the very beginning, I mean, we were very influential in getting the first batch of OSA's purchasing programs in colleges and universities. Um, we've seen a huge expansion of educational programs, which is part of the transformation of the field. As the field evolves, there's going to be greater demand for education. Right now, ISM publishes supply and demand every year that lists colleges and universities that offer an emphasis in procurement or supply chain. We do also have a program where we'll review the curriculum for universities and colleges and um, certify them. And w we are looking at exploring other opportunities to work more closely with educational institutions, whether they're colleges, universities, or uh, trade schools. Uh, Linda, did I just hear you say that there's a 30 under 30 program for mechanical engineers? Yeah, there's, there's, there are a lot of, you know, 30 under 30 is, is not a, you know, it's, it's a common type of program. It's the, for us on supply chain, this is the first time that it's ever been done in the supply chain space. Um, but before we go on, I just wanted to give a plug to ISM as well, because 10 years ago, you didn't get maybe a handful of colleges that had supply chain as a major. And today, ML, what is it? It's like 150? Yeah, it's around there. Yeah, I mean, that's huge. That's that's just like such a perfect example of an organization having a demonstrable impact in you know on a on a community or on a, a profession. Well, I'd like to ask then a naive question. If Go in, ahead. If, <laughs> if, <laughs> if you're ready, huh? Uh, if, I'm ready. If in fact, uh, and I, I accept the number that there's 150 universities. Uh, I I accept the fact that there's uh, uh, <laughs> other types of uh, trade programs going on and uh, the two organizations, uh, Institute of Supply Management and uh, ThomasNet, have partnered together. Why is Kevin and the, all the Kevins all over the country having uh, these employment issues uh, when, in fact, uh, his size company represents 80% of manufacturing? They're really having some serious problems. and. Uh, these are all great solutions, but is it getting out to the people who need to who need to hear about it? Well, I think we're mixing two fields. That that procurement and supply chain is very different from what Kevin's experiencing in man, in manufacturing. Right. And that's a, you know it's it's a different. I mean, supply chain is a very targeted area, and ISM is the leader. You know, or the leading organization that represents those those folks. Manufacturing is much more across the board, and it's much tougher. You know, it, it's a much tougher assignment because mm -hmm. the whole industry needs a brand makeover. So it's a much larger universe of people that we're talking about. Now, to say you, you made a very good point earlier that there are a lot of you know you mentioned the school in, in, in Michigan. I think it was the Michigan State University. There are a lot of schools that are are partnering with local organizations or local companies. And you know, it's, it's the expression Lou, "It takes a village." You know, and it literally sure. does. There are there's no u uniform organization that represents all of manufacturing, per se. Right. And manufacturing to study manufacturing, it's it's difficult. You can either study business or you could study a very specific vocational trade. You could study engineering. You could study you know different elements of it. 
uh, what Kevin is doing is amazing, and that's being done around the country on a grassroots basis. And we are literally hearing, I, I've got to say, probably over the past two years, I have heard close to a thousand different instances of colleges getting together with organizations, um, local manufacturing organizations, for example, the National Association of Manufacturers has chapters across the country that are taking matters into their own hands and working with um, companies like Kevin's and other organizations. So it's, you know, it's happening very much on that level, but it's a grassroots basis. And what Congress is doing about it is, you know, wh one of the ways is bringing awareness to an issue, right? That's always the first, the first step into to fixing it. And we have a newsletter, Thomas Met News, which we publish, and in there, we are always publishing examples. Every week, our editor, William Ng, is talking about some kind of company or organization that are doing cool things. Now, I'll give you one example that we, I'm sorry. I was going to ask you for that email address for our listeners. Oh, for Thomas Met News? Yes. Or Thomas, yeah, it's, if you go to thomasnet.com, and you click on industry news. It's one of the op options on there. It'll take you right to the newsletter. There's a free sign up. It's okay. all free. In fact, all of thomasnet.com is free. There's Good. nothing that's, that's charged on it. So you can definitely get that uh, that newsletter there. It's, and it's a nice one. And you'll hear more stories about that. But there, you know, you hear lots of wonderful, you know, feel-good stories. I mean, what Kevin was describing is great. And you've got – I'm having breakfast next week with a, um, Tracy Tenpenny, who's with Tailored Label Products, and they make industrial adhesives. You know, they make a whole variety of different kinds of labels, you know, labels that go on to, you know, the space shuttle, you know, labels that go into cars. So it's and, – and they did something on their own. They got together with a local organization and um, high school organization that helps children or kids that have – that are at risk. So it's called Second Chance. And it helps kids that are, you know, for whatever issue, they're having something. Something's going on in the school, and they could be expelled or who knows what. They're bringing those kids into a very organized training program, similar to what Kevin described, and they're going through that program. And at the end of it, if they, you know, if they graduate or if they do well, they're offered a job. So it's, it really is giving them a second chance. And those are, you know, those are the nice, those are the heartwarming stories that you hear going on around the country. So, Kevin, uh, talking about your shop and the cool in manufacturing, you have to be doing some cool things if you're working in aerospace. And without giving away any defense trade secrets, <laughs> what are some of the cool things you guys work on at Powell Manufacturing? Well, most of our, or probably 99% of our um, products are, you know, going into uh, some sort of either a military or commercial jet engine. And obviously, that's about as, you know, we have state-of-the-art equipment. Uh, I'm very thankful to be in a company where we have new machines and, and things like that. So when somebody comes in and they say, well, it's not what you thought it was before, where you may walk into a dirt floor and, you know, uh, Civil War machinery, um, that's part of the cool factor that we're making things that defy gravity. But it's also a very demanding and um, highly responsible industry to do it because it does go on an airplane and it, it does involve people's lives. And, you know, you can't take that for granted. And, uh, you know, obviously all of our older people realize that. And trying to get that through to some of the newer ones that are coming in, 
is probably the biggest challenge. And, and back to what Linda was saying, the tool factor is I, I don't know how you do that. Um, you know, I think we're cool because our owners allow this to happen, and we're a, we're a family-owned company where we in, we're investing or they're investing in, you know, trying to make the trade go on and, and bringing these people in. That's more difficult than it is if you're in the corporate world or, I mean, in, you know, an investment company where you have different satellite places and have, you know, millions of dollars behind you where you can, you know, it absorb that more than anything. It, it's harder for us, and, and couple that with the fact that the customers want decreases in their pricing, you know, year over year. So how to get the tool factor back in? We try to pump it up as much as possible when I go out to these schools and, you know, tell them what we're making, and, and hopefully somebody realizes that, hey, I want to be part of something that goes 30,000 feet in the air. And what, uh, what, Kevin, is – what type of materials are you working in? We have uh, – we're mostly into the 15.5 high nickel content alloys, titanium, uh, Inconel, Rene 41, uh, things that most places don't want to don't wanna do. It's, it's difficult machining. It uses up a lot of tooling. It's very temperamental in, uh, in temperature and things like that. Okay, and certainly uh, I we've had some experience with uh, some of those materials. I know at All Metals and Forge Group, uh, those are more challenging materials, particularly as you get into the high nickels, the high temperature nickels like Renee Forty One, can be very challenging. And uh, we'll come back to this in just a minute. We're going to take a quick commercial break here, and we will come back with ML Peck from ISM, Linda Regano from Thomas Net, Kevin from Powell Manufacturing and Lou Wise in just a moment. There's something positive about the word up. When things are looking good, they're looking up. When someone's down, you cheer them up. So how do you move up? Well, when it comes to getting your bachelor's or master's degree, there's one university that stacks up, Brandman University. Brandman is ranked by U.S. News and World Report as one of the nation's top 10 universities for online bachelor's programs. Brandman's online graduate programs in business and education also receive top honors. So look us up at brandman.edu. Brandman University. Move up. When you use the Premier Rewards Gold Card from American Express, the rewards points can keep on multiplying. Buy three with triple points on airfare. Buy two with double points on gas and groceries. And a single point for pretty much every other dollar you spend on the card. Then, start choosing from over a million rewards to redeem all those points. Apply today and the annual fee for the first year is on us. Call 1-800-AXP-GOLD or visit AXPGOLD.COM. The annual fee for the card is $175. See terms, conditions, and restrictions at AXPGOLD.COM. And we want to remind you once again that the sponsor for today's show is All Metals and Forge Group, an ISO 9001 and AS9100 registered company. They provide manufacturing and industrial companies with quick price and delivery quotes and clean, quality forgings for their parts, from landing gears to gear blanks and downhole shafts, subs, hubs, you name it, they can do it. Steelforge.com. Simply send us your request for quotes for any open die forgings or seamless rolled rings anywhere from 20 pounds to over 80,000 pounds. That's steelforge.com. And now back to our show. 
Uh, Lou, we've got uh, just about seven minutes before we wrap up here. Any questions you have for any of our guests that you want to get into? I think that you were passing the buck off to ML for a moment just before our show. Did you have a particular uh, thought on that? Uh, well, I guess the takeaway that I'm hearing from the show, and certainly ML has been a leader in getting this done, and uh, Linda talked about it, and Kevin's doing it, is, is that is for the manufacturers out there struggling to find people for their operation, you've got to look to the local schools, whether it's a trade school or a, a university, a state college, whatever it may be, and get connected with that uh, educational institution and, edu and educate them on the fact that their graduates can slide right over and uh, be applicants for your operation. Uh, Linda, would you agree that that's probably the best route to go? I, I think it's one of many. I think it's, um, I, you know, I, I had a, a question for, for Kevin because we do see it, it's, it's a mixture of things. When we said it's a grassroots effort, it's, it's the combination of the company reaching out to the local schools, but it's also the company reaching out to its local manufacturing organization. Um, in, in this case, it might be, um, Kevin, I see that you're a member of the National Tooling and Manufacturing Association, um, the local chapter in Arizona. Do you see them having a role in helping to attract awareness of the issue? I, you know, I, I think I'll take the middle ground on that because uh, I think everyone is struggling the same, and mm -hmm. I don't think they can do any better than all the rest of us. So a lot of times in numbers, we've been seeing organizations um, actually do, uh, it's, it's interesting, there's a company called the Rodon Group. Um, they're a custom injection molder, and they're in the Philadelphia area. And they're actually, they created a co-op co where they actually got competitors together. And it was through a like organization that they all belong to. And they have a co-op where they work directly with the schools, and they'll host a day where it's, you know, opening up your doors, similar to Manufacturing Day, but more on a local level. Um, having organizing something with the schools where you know in their senior year they spend you know a certain amount of time at an individual shop where um, companies go into schools and speak as their guest speakers and they talk about you know like in Kevin in your case you know how wonderful is it that you spent this, this career you know in manufacturing and and while we don't see a lot of uh, people spending 20 30 years anymore you know it's nice it's nice to see that and it's you know, probably if you had to do it all over again, would you would you choose what you're doing today? I, I would. It, it's been would? very good. It, it's been, uh, you know, it, it created a, a good background for me. And, you know, I, I guess I take pride in it as well as a lot of our employees, uh, all of our employees. But to instill that into some of the younger generation is uh, an absolute challenge. Because we see it, and I'm sure everybody does, the generation now is mm -hmm. kind of like you owe them something rather than, than them working hard to gain something out of it. Well, I, I have to say, I'm going to play the, the, the devil's advocate on that one, Kevin. Um, I think that the millennials, and, and I'll jump in anytime you want, I, but I just think they get a bad rap. You know, it's not... I don't see it that way. I see them as having a generation that's grown up so differently, and because of the impact of social media, it's changed the way they process information, how they view the world, and where their priorities are. So I think it's just like it's such a different mindset to, Kevin, to how we grew up um, or how we approach the world. It's going to be forever changed, and I think that the companies that want to succeed in bringing these folks on 
have to recognize what's important to them, what the hot buttons are, and talk to those things. And ML, you want to maybe you could dovetail on that a little bit. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree, Linda. Um, we got to remember this generation grew up being inundated with media 24/7. Uh, so it does change the way they think. It changes the way they work. You know, some articles that I've read point out that previous generations bring people in when a decision has when a decision's been made. It's all about getting the job done, the execution. Whereas the millennial generation uses social media or other uh, concepts to test concepts and engage people before making a decision. It's about planning and involvement as well as building a sense of community and ownership. So there's that slight tweak in, in how they prefer to work. The other thing, Kevin, is I think any generation, our school system is geared towards one type of learner. And there's always a group of people or a group of students that don't fit that model. So for them to hear from somebody like yourself would be very powerful. Somebody saying, hey, look, there's nothing wrong with you. Here's another option for you. If college isn't for you, that's okay. Here's a viable option that you can use. You can, use, you can learn a trade. You can learn the skill, and it will provide for you in the future. So I think there's more that we can do there. I think the next step is going down in the high school level, not just the college level. And Kevin, would you think that your engineers require engineering degrees, four-year degrees out of a university, or can you take someone with a, a year or two at a trade school where they've learned uh, machining in your shop? Is that something they could do, Kevin? I think we would look at that. Obviously, we would rather have the, the latter, but these days, I mean, if the person, you know, a lot today is not so much about the experience, it's more about the individual. Um, if they have the basic skills and you have the ability or any any shop or business has the ability to take them under their wing, so-called, and, you know, invest that time in them, I'm, I, we would do that. Um, and you can kind of get that read from people today and, you know, just some of the questions, a very high-level interview process. And it's not a bad thing to do. I mean, you know, years ago you wanted five or ten years of experience. It's pretty difficult to find that today. So, yes, we are making those concessions, and it, it becomes more a lot about the individual. Well, I think this is something that uh, has been long coming, and uh, the eventuality of the fact that the gray hairs are leaving and the youngsters are coming in was something that was going to happen. Uh, the interesting thing is that it's been happening now the last two, three, four years where everybody's talking about it. Everybody's talking about the same things that you are, Kevin, and uh, uh, Linda and uh, ML. The, there's a lot of talk out there, and you know there is. Uh, I would like to, uh, again, Linda, if you don't mind, uh, give me that email address for our late listeners where they can send in for recommending a candidate for your 30 under 30 uh, program? Um, oh, sure. It's www.thomasnet.com slash 30 under 30. So it's thomasnet.com slash 30 under 30. Terrific. Um, Tim? Yeah, and if anybody wants to know really what, you know, the, if you're history buffs, and I tend to be a history buff, so how this all occurred, Pick up the book, uh, The Age Wave, by Ken Bitchwald. Uh, the Age Wave will tell you that between 46 and 64, we saw the baby boom generation, and those are the folks that are retiring out of manufacturing. From 64 to 84, we experienced what's called the birth dearth, 
and there was actually almost a negative population growth. And then from 84 to 2004, that next generation, what we're now looking at as the millennials, is where you again saw the pickup in the population, but you also see a pickup in uh, um, more of a diverse population. They may be more Hispanic, they may be more Asian, they may be more uh, black in that population group than in the 46 to 64 baby boom generation. So there's all kinds of cultural nuances and there's age nuances. That's really what's happening out there. Uh, Lou, any final comments before we wrap the show? Yeah, I'd like to just give the uh, contact information for Manufacturing Talk Radio. Uh, any comments, uh, recommendations, uh, guest requests, uh, just good conversation, just as uh, Kevin did uh, two weeks ago, uh, send it to live at, L-I-V-E at, mfgtalkradio.com. Uh, we'll, we'll answer all your, your questions and comments. And, uh, Kevin, we had a good conversation a week or so ago when I was on vacation. So, uh, uh, And here you are on the show, and I appreciate your uh, joining us today. And uh, your, your contact information, Kevin, uh, if you wish to give it out, you might find yourself a, a new employee. <laughs> that's, that's fine. Uh, our website is www.powell.com. Okay. My information is on in, in that website as well. Very good. So if anybody wants a job for forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars, $60,000, call Kevin. <laughs> and we've we've got uh, uh, ML Tech, who's with uh, ISM, and their website is www.ism.ws. And we've also got uh, Linda Regano with ThomasNet. ThomasNet.com is their website. I want to thank ML for being on the show today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And Linda, thank you for being on our as our guest. My pleasure. We, we enjoy it. Uh, enjoy having these conversations. And uh, Paul, our engineer, it's uh, we we had a great show today. Thank you. Um, and back to you, Tim. Thanks, everyone. Uh, Kevin, uh, please get in touch with Linda Regano if you don't have her contact information. Drop a line to Lou. We'll bump it over to Linda. We'll get the two of you talking. You can get something posted on their uh, their jobs net board. That would be terrific. That wraps us up for today on Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Bye, all. You've been listening to the only show that takes a look at the obstacles and opportunities open to small to mid-sized businesses to manufacture here in America with your hosts, Tim Creighton and Lou Weiss, brought to you by All Metals and Forge Group. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs> <laughs>